Hello and welcome to the Todd Talk Show. I am so excited for you guys to join me on my first episode. Today, I'm gonna to be having on Sarah Whitcliffe, who is an incredibly talented motion designer and producer. She's worked with some top tier clients like HBO, ABC, Comedy Central, Jesus and Miro, there's too many to name. But beyond being incredibly great at her job as a motion designer and a producer, what makes Sarah truly special is she is so excellent at building community and networking. By meeting Sarah, she really introduced me to a lot of amazing people, and those people have really helped take my career to the next level. So that's why I wanted to bring her on, to help you kind of learn from her how she uses certain techniques to grow her network and really help find amazing opportunities. So without further ado, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Todd. Um, yeah, I... I'm a character animator, motion designer, um, social content producer. So, you know, when it comes to doing things for social media, not only are you doing the graphics, which is what I was used to doing in television, but you're coming up with the concepts and editing and doing the sound. You're really doing the whole kit and caboodle. Um, that's more of what I'm doing now. And then kind of the, um, soft skills you were referring to, I have built um, a pretty nice network for myself in the New York motion design community. Um, and that would be how I came to know Utah, actually, from doing a lot of, uh, just a lot of different jobs. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm happy to share with you everything I've learned in about the 15 years I've been kind of doing my thing. <laughs> Which is, it's actually kind of hilarious. I just remembered that I actually met you because I got your old job at the Chew, which is kind of funny. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. So that's how this all begins. So mm -hmm. what I've kind of teased with is that you're amazing at networking. You're amazing at getting clients and you've really done a fantastic job, like building a community of motion graphics artists in New York. Like I feel like you're really the linchpin that kind of brings our whole group together. So that's really why I wanted to talk to you because I think that skill set you have is really unique. But first, I wanted to kind of just do a general interview and ask, how did you end up in motion graphics? Because I have found almost no one really plans to go into motion graphics. You just sort of end up in motion graphics. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wonder, I think some people might plan on it now. Like, I think there's more yeah. courses in school, but um, people kind of of our generation. It wasn't necessarily a path that you set out to follow. Um, I studied uh, character animation in college. I actually, I initially set out, I went to Pratt Institute and I was thinking I was going to do fine art. And then I thought, even though I love oil painting, that's not practical. I need to find some kind of a trade where I can get a job. Um, and <laughs> my dad actually suggested character animation. Um, and I thought, okay, that's interesting because it combines storytelling, it combines music, it's, you know, obviously visual art, but then it's motion. Um, and I, I did always think, you know, filmmaking was pretty cool. So, uh, I studied that and then, uh, worked in that for a couple of years out of college, but found after the, I think 2008 recession. Um, the studio I was working at, I was doing a preschool television show uh, called The Wonder Pets. 
Um, that uh, once those shows wrapped, there ceased to be any work at the studio. We were all let go. And I had a really prolonged period of unemployment where just there were little freelance jobs here and there, but um, it kind of spawned this pivot that I made to motion graphics. And uh, I did that by <laughs> answering a Craigslist posting for the Onion News Network that was looking for motion graphics interns. And at that time, I had already been a lead animator. I had like a guest director spot on this, you know, preschool show. I had kind of gone up the ranks and I was really nonplussed about being an intern at that point in my career. Um, but I could rationalize it because shh, I was on unemployment. I know you're not supposed to do that, but I was still on unemployment and I'm like, okay, well, if I could be, you know, building uh, connections and learning something new and also it's the onion, which I love satire. So I decided to give it a go. And then I just went into that internship thinking like, I don't care who these other interns are, but if there's going to be a job from this internship, I'm going to get it and I'm going to kill whoever. <laughs> no, I, it, it, that's not how you build community. That's not really something I want to do, I guess. But I was very <laughs> determined. I was very determined to be the best possible person um, on this uh, team. Like if we were going to be candidates for the long-term position and then they actually did end up hiring me after a month, which was great. Um, even though I had no motion experience, I think um, the design lead in my department just saw that I had instincts and that I was really willing to learn. Um, and I went out to drink with them a lot. So that probably helped <laughs> with the networking aspect. Um, but yeah, that's how I ended up in motion. I went with the onion and then that group of people, that core group of friends that I made there, um, they're still some of my favorite people on this earth. And they went out and worked all over the place. And we just recommend each other for jobs all the time. And it was from answering a shady Craigslist post for an internship. So that's how I got it. <laughs> that's that's so impressive. I had I didn't know it was that story that you had been on unemployment. And then I had known kind of the different things you'd done. Like I had known you had guest direct like guest directed a cartoon show and worked on that, but I didn't realize the order of that you had gone so high in animation to then restart as an intern in motion graphics. So that that's super interesting. And I think that's really cool because it just shows that like you were willing to take a step down to, to go into a new career, you know, which is really brave. And you didn't just like stick, like I'm going to be a character animator that you were really to pivot, go to the bottom and then work your way back up. Was that hard to like, was it like difficult for you? Were you really frustrated when you took the internship or like, did you want to be doing animation or did you instantly get an emotion? You're like, I'd rather do this. I think um, the reason I chose that path at first was just from my love of the onion. Uh, I always really mm -hmm. revered um, these, you know, satirical comedy shows like The Daily Show. That was the Jon Stewart era. Um, and I loved the onion. I always thought the articles and the videos were hilarious. Um, and when I was in kids TV, actually, when I was working as an animator, the one kind of beef I had is that it was all for children's stuff. And I always wanted to do like sophisticated adult humor. Um, and there are definitely opportunities for that, especially in New York, but, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't finding any at the time. And then the other aspect that you're saying about, like, was it hard to swallow my pride? Um, uh, I had already had four internships over the course of my college career, um, which is how I ended up getting my first gig. Um, I 
interned at a studio called Curious Pictures uh, for a cartoon called Codename Kids Next Door. And then someone within the building, you know, knew my supervisor at the time. And um, they were like staffing on a Polly Pocket movie. And the Polly Pocket's a toy, people don't know. Um, it's kind of a little more movie. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you know. Um, so I, yeah, I ended up getting on this Polly Pocket movie as like a um, post, uh, post-production assistant or something like that. It was like a PA thing where I was logging the music cues. Um, but, uh, anyway, it was, I had already done a lot of interning and I thought like, really another one, even my last internship at Curious Pictures, that was like, you, you got your lunch paid for. And that really felt like rising up in the ranks and the onion was like totally unpaid. Um, so it was a real leap of faith that I was going to turn it into something, but I thought it was the, it was the content that really motivated me. Mm. Nothing else. I would get the experience of what it was like to work at this place. Um, that I just thought was, you know, it has like a lot of cool factor. Um, so if nothing else, and I also (laughs) could rationalize it at that point in my career, again, you're not supposed to do this, but because I was on unemployment and I was still (laughs) quote unquote, making money that really I paid into and I was entitled to, but I had some kind of income coming in to help pay the rent while I was, uh, interning at this place that did lead to like probably the most influential job or one of them in my career. So yeah, it was a good risk that I took, but it wasn't easy at the time because I I didn't, that was after like eight months of unemployment. And I really did feel pretty well about myself. Like here I am going back to be an intern, but yeah, it was was for the right thing. Oh yeah. And did it click right away? Like, did you, have you ever thought about what it'd been like if you stayed on the character animation path or were you pretty much right away like, okay, motion graphics is a better business? Because I feel like a lot of people start out in character animation. They want to work at Pixar. They want to do cartoons. And then they find their way into motion graphics just because of the commercial demand for motion graphics. This is so much higher. Yeah, I think um, for probably the first year or two, while I had made all these friends at that um, – uh, character animation studio that I worked at um, that were all still working in kids TV and doing character animation. And I felt a little bit like a sellout or something, <laughs> or, um, you know, like I had gone this like boring path uh, because I never really sought out to do um, design. Uh, I, I did, I studied character animation. That was, I had this initial dream, like you said, of being in Pixar and, I even, I had a close call with being a Pixar intern. Uh, (laughs) And that would have been a totally different life choice. Oh, yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I think I kind of grew to love it on the job. It took a couple of years of me working in it and um, coming to terms with that it was going to be a new life path for me and in some ways a more lucrative one. because you know there, there's definitely work in character animation, but what I found from you know the jobs that I've heard of in my network and my friends that still work in it is you re- you really really have to love it um, to keep putting in the hours. Not that you don't have that with motion graphics too, um, but uh, especially hand drawn animation. Oh my lord, that is so labor intensive. <laughs> um, and uh, with 
motion, at first I thought, oh, like fonts are boring. I never wanted to learn about this. <laughs> and then I, I actually, <laughs> I, uh, when I left the chew um, and got into late night, uh, when I started working on the nightly show with Larry Wilmore, which was a precursor to the daily show or not, it didn't start before it. It literally was a time slot before it for a brief period of time. Um, I kind of realized, oh, you need to embrace this thing that you're doing because you've got this great opportunity to reach a huge audience and um, you're working in comedy. Like this is what you've always wanted to do. Now it's on television. It's not on the web anymore. And like nerd out because pretty much <laughs> anything can be interesting if you just decide that you're interested in it. I, I just realized you just have to like decide, oh my God, this is fascinating. And then just dive into it. And then yeah, your perspective has totally changed. So, um, and it helped me be a lot better at it actually, just having that mindset shift. That is so interesting. Cause I literally went through almost the exact same thing when I moved out to Silicon Valley because of my wife's job. Like originally, I was like, oh, I'm a TV person. I want to work in TV. I want to do entertainment. And then um, when my wife got the job out here, I was like, oh, my God, I have to figure out how I'm going to make a living in the Bay Area. And there's no television shows or ad agencies or anything with normal motion graphics. And it was just the mindset of switching like, OK, I'm going to find user interface design fascinating that got me. So it's super fascinating because I went through almost the exact same thing of just you can often choose to become interested in self. And as you learn more about it, it you tend to like it more as you get better at it. That, that's super interesting. I think that's a really good point. Like just for people to take away that you can decide, even if it's not exactly what you want to do, that you can find it interesting and make it into something you love. That's a really good point. Yeah. Mindset is everything. Um, and learning to love the one you're with is the next best you know, use of your energy if you're not in a position to be able to go for the thing that you really love or really passionate about, if there's some kind of obstacle or um, if you've been doing it for a while and it's not working, you can love the one you're with and get really <laughs> awesome at it and see where that takes you because it might take you to a really wonderful place. You don't know until you try it. That's, that's That is great advice. So I have a question because I've, I've kind of built you up as the networking queen like did you just sort of start when you were like going to the onion and going to these places, was it in your mind? Like I'm building my network or when you started the Slack channel and all these different things, or is it something you just do naturally? That's one thing I'm like, do you have like a plan you go out with or are you, or is it just sort of your personality and you're naturally just a connector of people? Um, <laughs> definitely not something I sought out to do. Um, I will say now that I'm really reflecting on like, how did I, how did I get to this place? Um, even when I was interning in college and I was like a little nobody making photocopies in animation studios, whenever I would leave after my term there, I would always kind of like see if I could get the contact information of the couple of key people that um, were interacting with me the most at the time um, and just reach out with, to them periodically um, if it made sense, I never wanted to be annoying or anything, but I did make a, make it a point to stay in touch. Cause I knew intuitively, even as a college kid, that the relationships that you're forming, that's like why you do it, <laughs> you know, cause these people work in the industry and you will see them around. And I did see plenty of people that I knew as an intern when I finally started doing animation gigs. 
Um, but when it came to how I built my network um, in the real professional world, uh, initially it just came from going out to happy hour a lot with people mm. and people wanting to all blow off steam and have camaraderie and being in your in your 20s and being able to stay out till all hours. <laughs> um, you really get, you know, you're working long hours with people and then, you know, you want to blow off that steam at the end of the week and you really form a, a close bond that way, working with people like that. And, um, you know, the thing is, I did that at that job, that studio closed, then there was the onion and then they, uh, moved their offices to Chicago. And so that oh. really tight knit group of friends that I made there. Also, um, we all dispersed. Um, and really, I formed my network uh, through just a series of bad luck. I don't know if you call it bad luck at this point, because maybe it's just what the gig economy is. But um, I was never at a job for longer than two years for pretty much my whole 15 year career. I just bounced around a lot because of studios closing or um, a budget running out, um, any number of reasons why you would work with a bunch of people, get really close, um, hang out with them after work, put in long hours together, really bond, and then everyone just be like totally let go out of nowhere. Um, whenever those people that I would work with um, you know, they all land in their own little places. It's like the diaspora of whatever that studio was and they get to where they're going and they need people there. And it's like, Oh, they'll, re they'll remember you if, if you were cool and you did your work and, um, you were fun to be around. Yeah. That's, that's how you kind of, that's how I ended up building my network and getting referrals and just trying to stay in touch with people. Um, I tried to like just collect a couple of people that I really loved from every, um, particular position. And that's how I ended up <laughs> kind of with this. Uh, it's a very small slack that I have. Um, <laughs> but when I made the choice to um, start working from home in 2018, I knew that um, I probably wouldn't be going out with people as much and that I would be alone in my office at home, um, still wanting and needing community. And also if I was to take on other projects, I would want a network of friends that, you know, could maybe pick up overflow or um, that could work on the project with me. So um, these are all just people that were like, best persons that I that I met at various jobs that I loved and wanted to keep in touch with. And uh, that's how my little network was formed, I guess. <laughs> well, and it's amazing how that small for it's it so no one, you're probably not gonna get to join if you're a random person on this, but for the few people on it, it's been really amazing. Like I've gotten so many jobs off that. I've given people jobs. It's really been like an amazing tool that I never would have thought to start out myself, but like, it's been great being a part of, and I'm really grateful that you started it because I've met so many great people from that Slack. It's been awesome. I'm definitely open to expansion. So, <laughs> oh, okay. you know, if you know anybody cool, you no, know we just had, um, yeah, it was <laughs> cool and, and talented and it's still exclusive, I swear. Um, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, 
Um, my friend Teddy just invited one of his friends, Ashley, um, onto the Slack and she just moved to New York and she's working like four jobs right now. It's like, she's so hardworking it seems. Um, but she's got a ton of overflow too. And so immediately just from being open to meeting this person and, and like we going back to the theme, we went out for drinks not long ago, like two weeks ago, I got to meet her in person. She's very cool. Um, but yeah, having a new motion graphics friend is wonderful in the camaraderie and like ability to like help troubleshoot maybe. Um, and also, Hey, there's more, more work out there. If, if she needs a hand or can't take something, it's like that, you know, give and take good juju kind of thing. Oh, totally. Well, even just bringing up Teddy, because when I moved out to San Francisco Bay area, I didn't know a single person. But you introducing me to Teddy on there was the hugest thing because the way the scene in the Bay Area versus New York works is so different. Because in New York, it's all personal connections and you just like call a friend and they try and get you on a show. We're out here, everything is done through recruiters. Where Teddy introducing me recruiters, that was the hack that helped me get a job out here where without knowing Teddy and him telling me that because I was in your Slack, it would have been so much harder for me because I knew absolutely zero people out here. So like, it's, it's interesting how like, it's a small group of people, but within that group of like 10 people, it kind of connects you almost anywhere there's motion happening in the world. (laughs) Okay. So you were talking about when you decided to work from home and this is something I really admire you for is that you just decided, and this is pre COVID that you were only going to work from home which to me, I was like, I can't imagine being willing to say no to anything because I have like a famine mindset where like every job will be the last and I have to take it and jump on it right now and whatever they want, I'll do. So I was so impressed that you just decided like, no, I'm not coming into the office. I'm going to work from home and uh, they know I'm good and they're going to do that. So can you kind of tell me about how you decided to do that and how you kind of got to the confidence level where you knew you'd be able to get enough work that you could turn down things to just say, I'm going to work from home. Yeah. Um, I, I got the confidence. Well, first let me talk about why my why for working from home, just because, you know, to let your listeners know that it's not because I needed to wear pajamas all day or something like that. Um, But, you know, I, was at a place um, with my husband where we were talking about uh, having a family. And uh, he works in television, which is where we met. And um, the hours are very, very long. And we live in a suburb outside of New York City where the commute um, is at least an hour, hour and a half, one way. So long hours plus like two to three hours in the car, um, you know one of us needed to have a flexible lifestyle in order to be able to have a family. That was just like what it was. And, um, at that point, you know, Steve, Steve is still kind of like, ironically now he is working from home, uh, due to the pandemic. But, um, at the time it seemed like that would never, ever in a million years happen. Um, and I, he does still work longer hours than me. Um, but, uh, that was my why I just kind of decided, I mean, also because I had been doing super long TV hours for long enough and just feeling like crap 
physically from it and just really burnt out um, that I decided I needed to do the thing that felt right for my my health and my well-being. So um, I got the confidence to make that choice, honestly, from having been laid off so many times and having landed on my feet every single time um, that it just gave me maybe an irrational, um, but uh, an amount of faith in myself and in the community that I that I lived in. And also, you know, in the current economy, I might not have made that choice if work was feeling really scarce. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, somehow, whenever a studio would implode or move or, or something like that, um, you know, there might be a little bit of a dry spell. But I would always get an email or two of, hey, such and such show staffing up. And um, especially when I initially made that choice, I was really in um, the circulation of, of TV shows that, um, you know, there's a library of people who are good, uh, and, and reliable and they'll, and they'll reach out to you. Now, those aren't the kind of jobs that you or at the time, those weren't really the kind of jobs you could do from home. Um, and so it was a bit of a gamble when I just decided to do it. But at the same time, I knew that motion graphics in particular is something that you really can't do from home and that a lot of people already do, um, especially now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, especially now. Um, It just seems silly to me to um, spend all this time commuting to sit at a computer terminal and not talk to a lot of people all day and generate a product and go home when I could have a really banging workstation at my house and not waste that time and, you know, have time to sleep more or work out or be with my son or whatever I want to do. Um, so the confidence came from having gone through a lot of, um, oh shit moments. You can bleep that out. I don't know if you'll need to, uh, in my, in my career and just always, finding that the universe kind of provided like something just always panned out. And I just had faith that um, if I put it out there, I think when I first made that choice, I went through, I made a giant contact list of everyone that I'd ever really worked with at all of my jobs ever. Um, And just sent out a blast to anyone that had any kind of influence or who, or who was an artist who would know someone who did and just said, Sarah Wickliffe available for freelance. And I announced my intentions um, that, you know, I'll be working remotely, um, starting my own company, uh, still do the same great quality work. We'll be doing it from my home. If you uh, have any motion graphics needs, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to help you. Um, And yeah, I didn't get a ton of, uh, uh, you know, responses, but definitely enough where people were either very supportive and said that they would keep me in mind um, or the one to two people that said, Hey, actually, you know what? I do have something for you. Um, and that just kind of like fed on itself. And, you know, then I ended up getting the main client that I'm with right now. Um, who has just been so good to me. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really felt like I needed to look around, but, um, when I first made that choice, it was from just kind of going for it. And then putting it out there in the universe in a very loud way. Um, 
and asking and seeing if I would receive. And I was very lucky and I did. So the end. <laughs> and I think that's such a great takeaway is that you were willing to ask for it. Because when I first started freelancing, I was so afraid to ask like, hey, do you have work or anything? Because like, I thought I'd be bothering people. But it really is like you have to put it out there and do the ask to get people interested and really like just having the courage to shoot out that email. Like if you wouldn't have done that, no one would have known. But since you did that and you put that into the universe, it really casts the net so that you are on the top of people's minds when they're thinking about I need some freelance motion graphics. So I think that's a I great had, strategy. I had just read this book, uh, The Freelance Manifesto which I highly, highly recommend for anyone looking to do freelance motion graphics if you haven't heard about it yet. Um, and I totally know what you mean about kind of having that fear of showing people that you're available because, oh, you're, you're looking for work. That must mean <laughs> times are tough. But um, the way the book framed it, and it again, it was another mindset shift with me um, that people who are looking to hire and have work that needs doing, they're looking for good people. And if you are a good person and you're available, you're delivering a gift to their inbox by telling them that you're available. Um, so it's, it's not like, Oh, woe is me. I'm not working right now. It's, <laughs> Hey, I'm available and um, I might be able to help you out. So, you know, what can we do? Like it's, it's thinking of it positively, like you have something to, to give um, rather than kind of feeling sorry for yourself. No, I, th I think, I think that is like a key takeaway for every freelancer out there that you have to be willing to, to put it out there. You have to be willing to put it out there. Cause I was the same way. I was so like, Oh, they'll think I'm bad. No one wants me. That's why I'm like begging for work, but it's really not that. I think exactly what you said, like to a producer that their motion graphics, just person just quit or they're awful. You just made their day by letting yeah. them know you're available. Totally. Good people are hard to find. So, um, yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's all things thing. change. Oh, exactly. Everything changed. And speaking of change, what I want to talk to you about you next was how you approached having a child and a family and having a motion graphics career, specifically television, because we've both worked in television and it is a demanding schedule and famously not flexible whatsoever. So I would kind of love to hear about how you approached having a child and keeping your motion graphics career just firing on all cylinders. Well, first, you know, I feel like I should acknowledge um, that TV uh, and the entire workforce really is just so changed by the pandemic um, yeah. and has kind of been forced into sort of a flexibility that it never otherwise would have been without this massive world altering event. Um, so I, I thought about TV jobs very differently. Um, when I first went remote than I do now, they are still very demanding. Um, and I'm not currently working in television. I'm working in a TV adjacent uh, world right now, which is um, doing social media content for AMC Network. So I'm, I'm doing network stuff rather than um, for a specific show with like a call time and 
you know, taping schedule and all that kind of stuff. That's more what I was used to. Um, but making the choice and, or when we talk about making the choice, how I approached having a family, I think once I got to a place where I felt like I could rely on the income I had with remote work, um, you know, Steve and I were trying for the baby and, um, once I got pregnant, I think I was working both with um, AMC and then I was doing one or two days a week at a show called Ditas and Marrow, um, where I was still on site for that part time. And I had started this company um, where basically it, it allowed me to take on slightly larger jobs than I could handle myself. And then I would pay, you know, uh, colleagues of mine that were my favorite people that I mentioned from the industry, I would just say, Hey, do you, do you have a uh, bandwidth for, you know, some extra stuff? And so I was working at Jesus and Marrow while I was simultaneously supervising, um, a buddy of mine doing, doing extra work for AMC. Who was like, I was like basically double booked, but I was, you know, mm -hmm. finding a way to make it work. Um, and, uh, as luck would have it, AMC, um, wanted to hire me, wanted to just have me all the time um, at around, you know, I, like an early part of my pregnancy. And it, it felt simple to um, just kind of reduce the amount of like extra stuff going on, preparing for this big change. So I, I went, you know, solo with them for a while. I think I did take on one other big gig for Yahoo um, during my pregnancy. Um, and because I had this company, I hired the current guy that was working with me. And then another friend of mine to kind of like hold my place <laughs> with the AMC booking <laughs> uh, while I was on maternity leave, which in a non-freelance lifestyle at like a normal company, or not, I don't want to say normal um at a company with more robust benefits where you're an employee i would have had an actual maternity leave i was dead um, speaking speaking of children <laughs> yes but given the the freelance you know small business owner kind of lifestyle that i set up for myself um i sort of just held a foot in the door with this client um having the guys working under me still continue to pay them throughout my leave um, and then I came back, uh, after I think three months and, um, yeah, sorted out getting childcare, um, in the home and I've been working primarily for them ever since, just because we've built a really great working relationship that works really well for, for both of us. I think I've learned a lot working for them, um, and they find a lot of value in what I do. We recently, um, you know, uh, I recently went through a renegotiation and um, I can just tell that they, they really value what I do. And even though um, I'm still only working four days a week, I think when I came back from maternity leave, I started with three day weeks, then I added a fourth day. Um, and I really like my four day week, like, yeah. I know they would prefer to have me on for five, um, but uh, I 
kind of take the, I take on the responsibility and just always, I'm very honest with my boss. I'm so happy. Um, she, uh, also has a family and understands, Mm. but I say, I will always make sure that you have what you need. Um, you know, if that requires putting in some extra time Monday through Thursday, you know, I can do that. I will always, I will work twice as hard during the hours that I'm at my desk. And because of all the time that I spent in television, I'm very efficient. Um, and especially being a parent, when you have a chunk of free time, you get your stuff done. You are not, because you know that time is so precious. You are not screwing around. Um, and I just kind of know that when I get to my desk, there is a certain amount of things that I want to achieve to know that I, you know, uh, delivered for that day. Uh, I make sure that I do that and then go downstairs and <laughs> have dinner at 5.30 with a toddler and just immediately go into chaos. So, um, yeah, that's what it's what it's been like is. You know, we just, I just hop back in, um, with a team that, uh, really loves me and, and I, I value the work I do with them. And, um, I really work my ass off during the time that I'm at my desk. And then, uh, I get my Fridays off, which is wonderful. That's beautiful. So that's, that's how it's been going. And my son is almost two, um, It'll be to uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So it's been a wild ride. <laughs> One thing about maternity leave, were, were you afraid to take off? Like, were you scared? Like, because I went back to work two days after my son was born because like I was, was from a freelance. I was a freelancer at the time. I was so scared to take any time off that I'd just be replaced or were you pretty confident they weren't going to replace you? Or did you worry about that at all about taking a, taking a break? Well, I think, um, because I had a solid relationship with this client mm-hmm. before, um, you know, before announcing I was pregnant and also locking in my replacements, you know, there was a certain security I had in knowing that the people that were replacing me, on my leave were actually being paid through my company. You know, mm. like I was still, I was still present even though I wasn't um, doing the work. So um, I think it feels lousy because God, maternity leave is like so important and it's so it messed really up is. that we don't have yeah. a policy. Like Jesus. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, (laughs) yes, yes. Um, but I just, that was just how I went about doing it. That's how I made it work. Like everything, you know, parenting and freelance both have the same thing in common where you just, you just make it work one day at a time, you know, it's not predictable. Yeah. No, that, that, that's super true. And, and that is really smart that you brought up, like, especially as you're building these bigger clients, putting it through your own company. So it begins more than we're just hiring you, the person that they see you as like, oh, you're like a service provider and you give us motion graphics regardless of you doing it. But they know if they hire your company, they will get their motion graphics need 
helped Matt. So I think that was really smart that you created the company and then hired out the people underneath you. So they weren't just like, we have to have her that this company figures out everything for us. I think that was a really good move. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my original vision for when I started the company, it's called silver lining creative. Um, and I, I wanted to be able to take on work and just ensure that the client would get it done and be happy with it. Whether I did it myself or I hired a friend to do it, I would do, you know, be in charge of the quality assurance, the communication with the client producing basically. Um, I aspired to be able to do, um, more managerial type things because I kind of know how it all works now. I don't feel like I need to be at my desk, you know, making the donuts. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I do find a lot of satisfaction in watching projects come together um, and and seeing people happy with the result and getting what they need and making things work like problem solving is so huge. Um, and I do that every day uh, with the work I do for social content. You know, there's so much of it where like now it's awesome. Actually, I, I get sent um, screeners for brand new shows that are coming oh, wow. up and just kind of ask like, hey, what would be a good marketing strategy? What are some assets that, you know, you could come up with to help promote the show? And that is so far and away from, you know, what I would have ever been doing as a character animator. Mm. Um, I get to use my brain in a totally different way. So you know, it's problem solving. It's like finding that the show sent a bunch of behind the scenes footage and like, hey, make something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the next thing I'd really love to talk about is like over the last 15 years, how your goals have changed about like, where did you originally see yourself wanting to be and where you are now and where you're trying to be and kind of how, as your career has progressed, how your goals have changed. So I always knew my dream was to have a company was Mm. to you know be my own boss um and now technically i do have that um i am uh more or less staff at the at the gig i currently hold but that's completely by choice uh because um it's just a working relationship that's gone really well and um you know, I don't see any need to, to change it currently. Um, so I've met that goal and I can kind of sit with that and feel good about it for a while. You know, at the same time, I think when I first started my company, um, I aspired to have a wider range of clients, um, kind of parked right now, um, which, uh, isn't something that I really feel ashamed or regretful about in the current situation um, because other parts of my life are just taking priority um, beyond expanding uh, it, expanding my, my business life. I, I did put a lot of time and energy um, over the last 15 years in my career and learning software and meeting people, um, you know, learning different workflows. And I really work my ass off uh, at my job um, when I'm, you know, at my desk in the zone. 
but now, right now, especially while my son is small, um, I gotta be honest when I'm, <laughs> when I'm in my off time, I'm thinking more about why didn't he eat dinner? <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, or, uh, uh, you know, thinking about uh, uh, what we could do together this weekend or, you know, I also, I am a bit of a fitness buff. Um, a lot of my, I, I spend at least four to five hours a week uh, at the gym. Um, not a huge portion of the week, but it's enough where, you know, several of my downtime nights, um, I'm exercising and not sitting at my desk, you know, doing work. Uh, and I really value that. It's um, just, it's kind of become like my church. <laughs> uh, just helps me decompress, um, use my body in a different way that isn't, you know, staring at a screen and, you know, communicating with people and outputting product or managing the chaos of a toddler. Um, I just get to do something where I, I tune out. I know it betters my body. It makes me stronger. Um, and it's really good for me. Um, so I'm not really willing to give that up. Um, I really like the, the healthy lifestyle that I'm kind of living uh, with that. And um, yeah, I think my goal currently is to just do good work and be a good mom and be happy. And I'm killing it. <laughs> <laughs> on, that, on that on that note so um you know check back check back in another couple of years we'll see if if uh i'm sure goal, goals will change again but i always say it's like a long life it's a long yeah. life you have to have things to do so i'll find a way to fill it if it's not being filled <laughs> No, I think that's a great answer. And for a lot of people, especially when you're young, it seems so crazy to think that you can have goals outside of your career. And I don't think it's till you get older, you realize there's a lot more to life than your motion graphics career. <laughs> yeah, it's important. I really admire like so many artists and, you know, gosh, there are some amazing people out there and super motivated, hardworking, badasses. Um, and that's what they're doing right now. So good for them. I will watch them. I will admire them. I will learn from them. I will also have dinner with my toddler at five 30 and work out and watch food TV at night. So that's, gonna, that's where I'm at. I guess it sounds like I'm lazy, but actually I'm really tired. No, all the time. you, you are not lazy. You are a lot of things. Lazy is not one of them. Ten million pounds while you're like running this company and having a kid and doing four thousand other things. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, Todd. Thank you for the reminder. Of of course. So one thing I'd like to ask, like, what is the career highlight for you, and what is a career low light for you? Like the best moment, and then also like a war story. Like, what was one of the hardest things within your motion graphics career you had to go through? Hmm. Those are such meaty questions. Um, <laughs> low light, that could either be a disappointment from an external force 
or it could be something where you were disappointed in yourself. Oh, what's your both? I'm interested in both. These are sounds yeah. so juicy. <laughs> yeah. I think um, a low light for me, an external disappointment is when I was working on the nightly show uh, and that was canceled just because I had been on so many other canceled shows and that particular show just felt like this golden era in my TV career where I was in an office with these, you know, four other artists who I truly, truly loved um, just personally and on a creative level. And, um, you know, the show wasn't always the best, but uh, I, I thought the content we were doing was important at the time and it felt like it could have sticking power and because i was working on late night comedy and it was finally on the comedy central right before the daily show it felt like i like really arrived oh that one stung also because it was really abrupt like we found out on monday that the show was canceled and our last day was on friday and that was it no more job the end um so that was a bummer um and then the one where I'm disappointed, I was disappointed in myself. This is a key piece of uh, advice for any digital artist out there. Um, early on in my career, when I was at the kids' TV studio, I think I was like, you know, 24 or something. Um, you were supposed to always back up your media drive at the end of every night. And I had not done that for two weeks. And then I came in after one of those really important bonding sessions with my coworkers where I was doing valuable networking work uh, and I was not feeling too great the next day. And um, I went to render something out and it said it didn't have enough space to render. And I was like, oh crap, I gotta clear some space. And uh, accidentally dumped my entire media drive in the trash Oh, no. um, and hit delete. And I not only lost two weeks worth of shots for this cartoon show I was working on, I was a, a lead animator for my team. <laughs> and so they were like difficult shots. Um, and I was in a position of leadership. So it looked really bad. Um, and uh, it was only because uh, I had a very, very good friend there who helped me with data recovery, um, totally saved my ass uh, that, um, you know, it, that it wasn't like a complete disaster, but that was where I got religion about backing up your data. And my dad, who also is a, a digital artist, he's an audio engineer, told me after that, Sarah, if the file isn't in two places, it doesn't really exist. That's the truth. <laughs> that is, oh my God, that had me like, I felt sick to my stomach just you telling me that story because it's like my biggest fear. <laughs> well, and I'm so happy. It was so that. bad because. Of... Oh my God. Like, and, yeah, and so I just, I, after that happened, I went to open up one of my files and I, I was like, oh, oh, where is it? Oh. Where? Oh. oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> Oh, it's so terrible. And then, okay, wait, so you wanted a career highlight too, I'm trying yeah. to think. Um, I'm trying to think of like 
the best moment. Um, one of the best moments, I don't know if it's the best one, uh, but the when the nightly show was canceled, um, I had heard that Jon Stewart was staffing up for uh, a new project, which, um, spoiler alert, did not happen. He does have a new show <laughs> out now. But um, <laughs> it was this whole later. experimental thing. I had been reading about it as an animated thing. Um, I was so excited about it, very intrigued. And so because if he was a, an EP on the nightly show, he came to the very last show taping um, to just say some words to the crew. And I ballsily, is that a word? Uh, walked up to him and introduced myself as a, wow. as a motion graphics artist and said, hey, I heard you're starting an animated show. Uh, I do animation. Um, I'd love to, you know, get in touch with whoever on your team is is uh, staffing up for that because you know, I'm very interested. And obviously, I'm available now. And he, <laughs> yeah, he told me who to get in touch with. Um, not only did I reach out to him, I think I also looked into whoever. I knew two other people from my job were mm. rolling onto that show. And even though I didn't know them very well, I like <laughs> sought them out at drinks that night and just kind of stated my intentions and not my intentions, but that I was interested, just kind of trying to sniff it out. And through hitting like these three people, ended up parlaying my way onto onto that project, which was another uh, thing that didn't quite pan out. But the highlight was getting up the gumption to walk up to John yeah. Stewart and shake his hand and introduce myself. I was like very proud of myself that in the moment, it felt like a once in a lifetime kind of thing. So yeah. That's amazing. I mean, and that's, you see, again, you got it because you were willing to ask, you know, there's a, a takeaway I just see again and again is that you are willing to put yourself out there and ask literally one of the most famous people in America for the job, which I think is so ballsy and awesome. And it's so cool that even though the show didn't pan out, the job panned out with Jon Stewart. And that's awesome. And that you were willing to go and ask those people like, Hey, can you, you should hire me. That's like, really awesome yeah and also and just and especially thank you so much for being so vulnerable on your low light because from the outside like it looks like you've just done so well you have this meteoric rise and it's like you're just a kick-ass motion graphics artist and it's so great to see that like even people that seem so successful and are doing so well that they also like i had no idea that you had gotten fired like multiple times not fired or been laid off from the show being canceled like multiple times and like had gone through these things because when everyone looks out on the outside they think oh it's just so easy for them they do it you only think it's yourself that ever has a hard time with anything so thank oh, you for bringing that up yeah i felt snake bit after a while i was like what is it about me like is it that i roll onto a project and it's canceled um <laughs> and then i don't know it's just the business <laughs> Yeah, that's his TV, because it was exactly, until my current job, it was the exact same thing. It was year and a half, year and a half, year and a half, year and a half. It was like, like, because it was either like, you know, the, the show is either, well, with, with the chew, you know, what happened with Mario Batali has happened, and I was like, I need to get off this sinking mm -hmm. ship, where it's either the show is going to get canceled, yeah. or it's like, there's some external thing, or like, you, like, it's very rare for shows to last, and in TV, it's like, you're really, I always felt like, you're jumping from one sinking boat onto the next sinking boat 
or like hoping that you finally get on a boat that floats. And I'm so happy you seem to have found a boat that floats. Yeah, I've got I've got my boat there. <laughs> it's not in TV anymore, but you know, there, like every now and then there's like The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Like that's like solid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it at the same time the the reason I start the reason I named my company what I named it Silver Lighting Creative is yeah. because I feel that my career was really molded by having a lot of unfortunate circumstances happen. Yeah. Um, you know, having all of these disappointments though allowed me to meet all these people yeah. and you just got to look for the silver lining in every situation. It's really yeah. all you can do. Yeah. It's a, it's so interesting to me when you hear it from the other person's perspective, where it's like from the outside, I had only seen you like you're on this show, you're on this show, you're on this show. And I'm not thinking about how you've got onto all these different shows when really what looked like a series of like tough breaks where each tough break actually got you onto a better and better show. So even though it was hard, like every single one took you to a better place and it was your attitude and being willing to ask that really got you there. So it's so cool to just hear that, you know, and to see like, oh, like even in a tough break, like you can really change that into like an amazing opportunity, like sort of like your show getting canceled changes you to like getting on a show of Jon Stewart, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, having having a a can-do attitude and you know don't get caught up in, in feeling hard done by or anything like that just show up and and uh trust your gut work work quickly and make sure it's quality and uh it's gonna work out for you <laughs> yeah so before we wrap up what i would just love to for you to give like if someone's a new they want to be a motion graphics artist they want to be a designer they want to do something similar to what you do what would be the advice you would give them um hmm what would be the best advice i think just going for things like saying yes as often as possible um there's definitely a time and a place to say no um and i wouldn't say yes out of a scarcity mindset um don't don't do that because you know like if if you're saying it because you're really afraid you're never going to get other work um you know that's not a great position to to put yourself in but if you're scared to do something like one of the ways that I always knew I should do something uh, when I was facing a job choice. Like, should I take this? If I felt really scared to my core about it, it probably meant that I should take it. Um, mm. So, but I'm trying to articulate what I mean about going for it. I think when I think of where I was as a little baby designer with no formal training, a character animator who um, you know, didn't really give a crap about fonts or want to know about them. I was just there because I knew After Effects. Um, I second guessed my instincts a lot. I didn't know I would 
you know, think, oh, is this too derivative? Is this good? Am I just copying something? Honestly, you already have the visual language just by watching and observing media. The more that you can um, watch ads, watch TV, um, just watch any kind of moving or still media with a critical eye and start to notice, hey, uh, the colors green and, and orange are used all the time for food branding. So if you get uh, a gig that's like, you know, for a grocery store or something, like you could use those colors, it would probably work. It doesn't matter that it's derivative. It's part of our shared visual language. It's like things that are already accepted in work. Like yeah. copying things, it's it's not a bad thing. If, if that's what your gut is to, to do it, it's gonna be still a little bit original because it's your version of it. Um, your client's gonna change it anyway. So go with your gut, copy a little bit, base it on what you know, base it on what already works. Um, and, you know, start with that as a, as a first offering for any kind of like, you know, new project that you might have, because, you know, if you're copying something that already works, it's probably like 70% there already. <laughs> so um, it's not a, it's not super inspiring advice. But again, I feel like I used to get really hung up on trying to make sure that it was perfect. And I would, I would, really trip myself up and, and pause on designing things, but working in daily TV where you have to be really fast, um, yeah. you don't have that kind of time to second yourself. Um, and just making more and more stuff allowed me to build that language um, of just go-to tropes that I use um, so much faster. And uh, people really, really love it if you just go and you do it yeah. and you get something fast. Um, yeah. And, you know, you don't want to deliver something that looks crappy, obviously. Um, but even if you do, even if it's a little crappy, it's better to give the client something to respond to because half the time they don't even know what they want. And once they see what you're offering, they'll, they'll be able to say, oh, you know what? It needs uh, more X, Y, Z you know, and then you can go back and have something to, to go with and, and know how to fix it. So just make the thing and it'll work itself out. <laughs> that's, that's my advice. Just do it, basically. Just do it and do just it do quick it. and get at them. Well, I think that's really great <laughs> advice. I agree with the exact same thing. A lot of times clients aren't even necessarily looking for something good. They're just looking for what they want which you may not think is good, but they just want, and I yeah. agree, they, they just want it now. What they yeah. really like is getting it quick versus having something that's that you think is perfect late, they're gonna be upset with, because what, what you think is perfect, they may absolutely hate, and now you just wasted all your time. So that is great advice, Sarah. And I just wanna thank you so much for giving me an hour from your very busy schedule to come on and talk and drop so much knowledge that aspiring motion graphic artists can take with them to hopefully get themselves to the kind of career you're having. And is there anything you want to plug uh, social media, your business, anything you want to plug? Uh, you know, stay tuned to the AMC TV social media feed. Uh, I'm cutting videos for new shows all the time. I just, uh, um, 
helped come up with a marketing strategy for a new show called Kin, which is uh, about an Irish mob family. It's actually a really good show. Um, and I've been doing a lot of editing for them. So uh, highly recommend that show. Um, my website is silverliningcreative.com. Um, I'm sure you'll put a link to it in your show notes. Um, I work with uh, a couple of other really talented artists from the aforementioned Slack. They're on there too. And um, yeah, it was just great being on, getting to reflect and, and catch up with you a little bit, Todd. Thank you oh, for great having talking me. With you. This was a real pleasure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been the first episode of the Todd Talk Show. And hopefully, we'll be bringing you a lot more interviews with awesome motion graphics artists and all sorts of interesting people.